Party. They cannot do both. In his Angelus Address on December 13th, the Holy Father reflected on the day's Gospel reading from the Gospel of John and encouraged people to follow the example of St. John the Baptist in his joy and in his testimony to the coming of Jesus Christ. The Pope said, John the Baptist left everything from a young age to put God first, to listen to his word with all his heart and all his strength. He withdrew into the desert, stripping himself of everything superfluous, to be freer to follow the wind of the Holy Spirit. Pope Francis concluded by saying that the Virgin Mary is an example of a joyful faith. He said, This is why the Church calls Mary cause of our joy. These are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Mary Francis Shervier, pray for us. And I know what you're thinking. Joe, it's uh, John of the Cross today. Yeah, you're right. It is John of the Cross. That's true. But that's like, you know, come on. That's the the obvious choice, right? Not that I'm saying John of the Cross is bad. He was he was amazing. He's a saint. He's fantastic. He uh, he brought the Descalced Carmelites pop quiz. What does Descalced mean? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Means uh, no shoes, right? Uh, I although I think they're allowed to wear sandals. Isn't it true? Yeah, I think they are. And Descalced sounds very similar to Descalzo, which means barefoot in Spanish. Yeah, barefoot. So, so mm-hmm. it's the you know he brought about a reformation in the Carmelite order, Saint John of the Cross, and uh, he wasn't loved quite a lot for that. In fact, they arrested him at one point, and he had to run and hide. And uh, Teresa of Avila helped to uh, to hide him because uh, she was assisting in the reformation of the Carmelite order. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today. Rather, I want to tell you the story rather quickly of Blessed Mary Frances Shervier, uh, born in eighteen nineteen in Germany. Her father was a very wealthy needle factory owner. Her godfather was the Emperor Francis I of Austria. So, not bad, right? Um, Well, at age 16, her mother and two of her sisters died of tuberculosis. So, at that point, she began to take care of her father's home. Um, But she had a great love for Uh, Christ and for the faith, and she wanted to devote her entire life to that. In fact, in 1844, she became a third order Franciscan or a secular Franciscan. Just one year later, her and four other ladies, also given themselves over completely, had uh, established a religious community to serve the poor. This was called the Sisters of the Poor of St. Francis, and they had the bishop's approval by July of 1851. This community began to grow very rapidly. In fact, in 1858, they established their first community in the United States, and their primary uh, job was to care for what would become the wounded in the Civil War, which, as we know, was pretty devastating. In 1868, she made her trip to the United States, and uh, she encouraged the establishment of the Brothers of the Poor of St. Francis, as well as overseeing the foundation of many hospitals. In 1870, she was suffering quite a bit from asthma, so she made her trip to Lourdes, and there, through the miraculous healing waters, she was given a cure, miraculously, and... uh, What a gift and grace that was that confirmed her in her life of piety and her life of devotion and her life of the corporal works of mercy. By the time she passes away in 1876, December the 14th in Germany, there was more than 2,500 members of the community worldwide. Blessed Mary Frances Shervier, pray for us. The gospel today comes from Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 27. When Jesus had come into the temple area, the chief priests and the elders of the people approached him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them in reply, I shall ask you one question, and if you answer it for me, then I shall tell you by what authority I do these things. Where was John's baptism from? Was it of heavenly or human origin? They discussed this among themselves and said, If we say of heavenly origin, he will say to us, Then why did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we fear the crowd, for they all regard John as a prophet. So they said to Jesus in reply, We do not know. He himself said to them, Neither shall I tell you by what authority I do these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And what I love about this particular passage, Emily and Adrian, is the 
I'm reminded about every time someone says, well, the church needs to always just be dialoguing with people. And that's true. I'm not going to say that's not true. We do need dialogue. I mean, given the violence that's uh, prevalent in our time and our culture, I would like to see more dialogue, not less. However, in the Gospels, when it comes to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the, the scribes, Jesus almost never really dialogues with them. He, he, he catches them in their own traps, and he, he flips it on them. And this is a good example of that. When it comes to dialogue, Jesus dialogues with the woman at the well. Jesus, Jesus dialogues with the man born blind. Um, he does dialogue with, like, Zacchaeus, for instance, the guy up in the tree. You mm-hmm. know, we see those dialogues, but we almost never see a real dialogue with Pharisees, Sadducees, and scribes. When it comes to that, it's Jesus laying down the law. Right, and dialogue has become such a buzzword. Uh, we have to remember, dialogue cannot solve every single problem because you can only dialogue with people who are also seeking truth and who are willing to dialogue genuinely with you. So we see that the the Pharisees in the reading were being manipulative. They were not willing to dialogue genuinely. They only wanted to manipulate Jesus. Yes. Uh, Adrian, I don't know. Uh, I know we've looked at some of the Bible com- commentaries here, but I think sometimes in uh, 2020, we might have a misconception of what dialogue really is supposed to do. Right, absolutely. I, I was looking at uh, Alapide in his Bible commentary, and he talks about how uh, the Pharisees, when they approached our Lord uh, in this manner, they were being like lawyers where they are have def- been defeated in, a, in an argument, so they try to, instead of admitting defeat, uh, put forth a second argument and a third argument and a fourth <laughs> argument. Uh, so instead of playing the game, our Lord uh, instead turns the tables on them mm. and starts to and says, oh, well, if you uh, do you believe that St. John, the, that John the Baptist, what, what was he preaching about? Who gave him the power to preach? And if, if it's God, then how much more is it for me whenever John the Baptist pointed towards me? Uh, and they I respond, oh, well, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, we didn't, we didn't say that John the Baptist was of God, but I mean, we didn't say that he wasn't because, you know, they don't, <laughs> right. they also don't want people to attack them. Uh, so they speak out of both sides of their mouths. I know. They're keeping their options open, it seems. But, you know, you come back to the theme of authority with Jesus in the Gospels, and you see, like, going back to Matthew chapter 12, and you see the fact that when he was casting out demons, the the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had issues with that, too. In fact, they named the authority. They said it was by Beelzebul that he did these things. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's a clear distinction. In fact, he catches them on that, and he says, by what authority do your scribes cast out demons, then? If, you know... If I'm doing it by Beelzebub, then it must be the same for yours that doing that are doing the same tasks, catching them in their hypocrisy, you know. And we saw last week when we looked at these daily readings that their real intention was to to stone him and to murder him, and that was their ultimate goal. In fact, they didn't like the competition, right? Jesus reconstitutes Israel; he brings the lost tribes back from the four corners of the earth, and he brings about the new Sanhedrin. He brings about the new twelve and the inner three, and he he brings about the new sacraments, and he fulfills the law and the prophets, and and they don't like that kind of uh, of competition. Like Facebook, they <laughs> they put an end to their competitions, you know, and right. and YouTube's and the rest of them. But uh, fascinating gospel today. Uh, we're about to turn over to a break, and we come back. We'll be having our game show. But by the way, we need a contestant. So if you would like the opportunity to potentially win some prizes today, we would love to hear from you right now. The phone number to call is eight seven seven seven. Five seven nine four two four. It's a lot of fun, and you don't even need to know the answers to the questions because we don't ask you the questions. We ask uh, Emily and Adrian, and they have to get it right or wrong. All you have to do is is guess, and uh, you'd have a fifty fifty shot a shot at it, and you get three chances, and every chance puts your name into the divine fishbowl of providence, which in our case is a coffee mug, and uh, you might win some prizes too. We'll share all of that with you on the other side of the break. But call right now eight. 877-757-9424. We'll take the first caller. A lot of fun. Join us. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. More Catholic Drive Time coming up next. Can we be happy without God? Atheists say yes. We Christians say yes, but only to a certain extent. What's our reason? 
there are some natural human desires that can be satisfied without living for God. The desire for sensory pleasure, success, and loving relationships. There are certain desires, however, that can't be satisfied without God. For example, we don't just desire some love, we desire infinite love, love without limit. This is manifest when we get frustrated with imperfect manifestations of it. The same is true for knowledge, justice, and beauty. Since God alone is infinite in these perfections, only He can satisfy our desires for them. Therefore, to borrow from St. Augustine, without God, our hearts would be forever restless. And my friends, a restless heart is an unhappy heart. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show. Uh, allowing you to work out your salvation and fear and trembling. We totally so- stole that, by the way, from uh, St. Paul in Philippians 2.12. Yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff, so... <laughs> yeah, praise be to Jesus. All right, so this is how the show, the game works. Okay, so there are prizes involved here, but uh, we have I have in my hot little hands here uh, three trivia questions. They're all Catholic trivia questions. And I ask not the caller, I ask Emily and Adrian. One will have a right answer, one will have a wrong answer. The caller will get 15 seconds on the clock to decide who's right, who's wrong, and then uh, every the fifty fifty shot, right? They just have to guess, and if they get it right, well, they get a they get a name into the divine fish. It's I say fishbowl, but it's really the divine coffee cup of providence. Uh, <laughs> we'll get a fishbowl eventually. I, w- yeah. I would call it the fishbowl of divine providence, not the divine fishbowl. The divine, <laughs> not the divine. The mug fishbowl. itself is not made by the God. The mug is not made by God. Well, I don't know. Is Noted. it? Is it? Does oh. God not make? Are we going to get the, philosophical we're here? Get, okay, that's another rabbit hole for another day but uh, we have a cup and we put the names in there so three chances means you you might get three entries into the drawing and we have prizes involved right that's right Mm -hmm. tell them what they're going to win emily tell them what they could win emily okay so this week our sponsor is isaiah books and isaiah books was created by madeline carroll who's a montessori teacher and author and she's going to be giving away a bundle of her christmas children's books so these are great stocking stuffers for your children or grandchildren all right praise be to jesus let's go to the phones uh we have uh uh is it is it jorge on the line one there jorge good morning to you thank you for being a part of the program today Good morning. Are you there? Good morning. Hello. Good morning. What is your name? Uh, my name is Gabby. Gabby. Okay. The caller ID gave me a give me a different name. So, good morning, Gabby. That, and yeah. where where are you from, Gabby? I'm calling from Chicago. Chicago. Wow. What what's the temperature like there? It was like 40 degrees in Texas today. It must be 40 below in Chicago. It's about 30 right now. 30. Oh, wow. Praise That's God. not bad. Any snow? Not yet. We got a little bit of snow yesterday, but not not too much. Yet. Not too much. Well, praise Jesus. Uh, Gabby, thank you for calling in today and being a part of our program. Okay. Uh, are, do you understand the rules and are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? All right. We're going to go to Emily first, as we always do with the first question. Emily, are you ready? Ready. Adrian, are you ready? Good enough. Here we go. Question number one. What was the empire... Founded by Charlemagne called the empire that Charlemagne founded. What was that called? I think I'm going to go with uh, Christendom on this one. I think it was called Christendom. Christendom. You're on the board for Christendom. All right. Adrian, 
What was the empire founded by Charlemagne called? Charlemagne, uh, he was the uh, the first Ro- Holy Roman Emperor, so the Holy Roman Empire. The Holy Roman Empire. The first Holy Roman Emperor and the first Holy Roman Empire. All right. Adrian is on the board for Holy Roman Empire. Emily is on the board for Christendom. Gabby, what say you? You have 15 seconds to decide to decide who is right, who is wrong. Mm, I think I am going to go with Adrian. Woo! Survey says... Yay! <laughs> Congratulations, Gabby. You're in the divine... Uh, no, no, no. We said it was going to be the cup of divine providence. Something like that. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> if we put a fish in it, we could still call it a we fish could bowl. Still call it a, a fish. If it's uh, if it's a tiny fish. Okay. Congratulations, Gabby. You're in for one. Yay. You get two more chances, and uh, prizes are involved. Here we go. Second question. Uh, we're going to start with you, Adrian Fonseca. Awesome. This one. Okay. In all honesty, this one's tricky. So pay very close attention. Here we go. What is the term? For the instrument with a handle and a hollow container container. used to sprinkle holy water during liturgical ceremonies, (laughs) blessings, or consecrations. That's That's super easy. That's super super easy. tricky. Are you kidding? Aspergillium. It's aspergillium. Easy peasy. Gesundheit. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, So what was your answer? Aspergillium. Gesundheit. I've never heard that word before in my life. Uh, Oh, that's your answer. Aspergillium is your actual answer. That's my answer. All right. Aspergillium. Adrian is on the board for aspergillium. Emily, what is the term for the instrument with a handle and a hollow container used to sprinkle holy water during liturgical ceremonies, blessings, or consecrations? Oh, my goodness. This is absolutely not fair because Adrian's an altar server, and so he's definitely prepared one of these before. So are you saying he's right, then? I'm saying that my guess might not be as accurate as (laughs) 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 it. I haven't done as much research. I'm going to go with... Sprinkler. <laughs> sprinkler? A sprinkler? Liturgical sprinkler. Is that your final answer? Yeah. <laughs> Is that your best guess? Mm, yeah. Sprinkler. <laughs> All right. Emily's on the board for sprinkler, and Adrian's on the board for aspergillium. Gabby, you have 15 seconds to decide, although I doubt you'll need that long to decide who's right, right. and who's, who's wrong. Gabby, who's I right and who's wrong? No idea. Okay. No idea. But I'm going to have to go with Adrian. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> Survey says, congratulations. Uh, congratulations. Well done. I would, I would like to say that was a tough one, but I think it was fairly obvious. <laughs> For me, it was tough. <laughs> so now you've got two chances to win today's uh, or this week's prize. Again, who's our sponsor, Emily? Isaiah Books by the author Madeline Carroll. All right. Isaiah Books. Thank you for your uh, gift of giving out a book and sponsoring our game show prizes this week. All right, third question. Here we go. Emily, we're going back to you here. All right. This one uh, should be fairly easy, I would say, compared to the last one. So hopefully a little harder in trying to guess. Here we go. What pope ended the Council of Trent? Which pope ended the Council of Trent, Emily? Finally, something I do know. Um... I love all things Pope Pius. Every Pope Pius I love. I know this. <laughs> this is Pope Pius the Fourth. Pope Pius the Fourth. Who is the Pope before my favorite Pope Pius the Fifth? Oh, okay. Mm. Well, if you got to have a favorite Pope Pius the Fifth, is where you go. But you're on the board Agreed. for the for fourth. the fourth. That's right. Pope, Pope Pius, Pius the, the Fourth. fourth. Adrian mm-hmm. Fonseca, which Pope ended the Council of Trent? I, I, um, I'm going to uh, go with. I think. Oh my goodness, Benedict the Fifteenth. Benedict, the which one? Benedict the Fifteenth. No, so she likes Piuses. You like Benedict? Well, actually, I love Piuses. Pius the Fifth is also my favorite pope as well. <laughs> so why, why <laughs> didn't you pick the Fifth then? Why did you? Why did you go with the Benedict? Because I know Pius the Fifth was the Pope of Lepanto, so he couldn't be the Pope of Trent. Ah, yeah. I see where you're going with that. Mm-hmm. All right, so you're on the board with who? Benedict the Fifteenth. All right, Adrian's on the board for Benedict the Fifteenth. Emily is on the board for Pope Pius the Fourth. Gabby, you have 15 seconds to decide who's right, who's wrong. Gabby, what say you? Uh, Emily. Emily. Survey says... Perfect Yay. score. Wow. wow. Three for three. Praise be to Jesus. Three chances in the uh, the coffee cup of divine providence. I'm finally getting that right <laughs> after so many tries. Uh, congratulations, Gabby. Well done. A perfect score. And you said you weren't so uh, confident, but you, you, you nailed it all three times. Congratulations. 
Thank you. Well, we're very grateful that you've called in today and been a part of the program all the way from sunny Chicago. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll have a, an awesome midnight mass there in Chicago. Hopefully, Is that an available opportunity for you there in Chicago? Yes, it is. Praise God for that. Thank you, Gabby, for being a part of our program today. We're going to head to a break. We're going to come and back. And make sure with, you stay on the line. We're going to head to a break. We're going to come back with uh, breaking news and stories from Emily Alcarez. Gabby, God bless you. Have a great day. Stay on the line. We're going to get your information. And uh, hopefully we'll pull your name out of the divine. No, it's the coffee mug of divine providence. I'll get it right eventually. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. More Catholic enough. Drive Time. And Kevin O'Neill from the... Lego Catechism is coming up. All that more on Catholic Drive Time. We'll be right back. Like they do many other Marian dogmas, Protestants reject Mary as the mother of God because they don't think it's scriptural. But if there's any Marian dogma that's biblical, it's Mary the mother of God. Consider Luke 143, where Elizabeth greets Mary as the mother of my Lord. As any Bible student knows, Lord is the title that the Jews used for Yahweh. But Protestants object that Lord can also be used for an earthly ruler. Although this is true, I think the context suggests the divine usage. The three times the word is used before verse 43, verses 28, 32, and 38, and the three times it's used after verse 43, verses 46, 58, and 68, it's used in reference to Almighty God. So does the Bible teach Mary is the mother of God? You bet it does. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's hard to get along with your family? That sometimes the people in your family are downright uncongenial? Well, G.K. Chesterton says that is precisely why the family is so important. Because it is often uncongenial. Every family is filled with the same problematical people that you find everywhere else. And so anyone revolting against the family is simply revolting against mankind. As Chesterton says, Aunt Elizabeth is unreasonable, like mankind. Papa is excitable, like mankind. Our youngest brother is mischievous, like mankind. And so, if we can get along with our family, we can get along with anyone. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. These are your Monday morning headlines. A Democratic congresswoman has introduced a new abortion survivor's bill. Representative Tulsi Gabbard introduced two bills on Thursday aimed at protecting babies who survive abortions and preventing male athletes from competing in women's sports. The group Democrats for Life of America organized a petition that states... It is critical to give a federal protection to fully developed, born babies who survive an abortion attempt. There are at least 300 documented instances of babies surviving abortion. A lot estimate given reporting is not mandatory. Often these babies are left by an abortionist to die rather than being provided the necessary oxygen, fluids, and surgery they may need to survive. A similar bill was previously denied a vote on the House floor. The Vatican is upholding a bishop's decision to ban reception of communion on the tongue. The Secretary of the Congregation for Divine Worship wrote to a petitioner last month rejecting their appeal against the Bishop of Knoxville's decision to temporarily restrict reception of communion on the tongue because of the coronavirus pandemic. Bishop Sticka, who lifted the ban in November, said in a statement, The decision to suspend the distribution of Holy Communion on the tongue was difficult for me. And I understand the concern some of our clergy and laity have regarding my actions. However, we were in the early stages of this pandemic and dealing with much uncertainty. I felt I had the authority to make a conscientious decision for the safety of everyone, the laity and our clergy. The Archbishop of Mexico City is supporting the Pope's remarks on civil unions. In an interview with Reuters published on Friday, Cardinal Carlos Aguiar Retes of Mexico City has said he agrees with Pope Francis' comments on same-sex civil unions, made public in a recently released documentary. The Cardinal said, 
If those with same-sex attraction decide as a matter of free choice to be with another person, to be in a union, that's freedom. The Apostolic Nuncio to Mexico said in October that the Vatican Secretary of State had asked Nuncios to share with bishops that the Pope's comments do not pertain to doctrine regarding the nature of marriage as a union between one man and one woman, but to provisions of civil law. The Vatican's new Christmas display is meant to be a sign of hope during the pandemic. The unveiling of the nativity scene and lighting of the Christmas tree took place on Friday, December 11th. The Christmas scene for 2020 consists of larger-than-life ceramic statues made by teachers and alumni of an art institute in the Italian region of Abruzzo in the 1960s and 70s. The Vatican said in a press statement, the display not only represents a cultural symbol for the whole of Abruzzo, but is also considered an object of contemporary art that has its roots in the traditional processing of Castellana ceramics. These have been your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Uh, thanks for being a part of the Catholic Drive Time family. And we're very grateful. And uh, joining us right now by a Zoom chat is my friend Kevin O'Neill, all the way up from uh, sunny Wisconsin. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Praise Jesus, I'm alive. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me on. What is the, uh, what is the weather like up there, by the way? Well, uh, thanks for asking. It's cold, cold <laughs> and cold. So, especially we were just in Tennessee the other day, just nine hours south. And uh, yeah, right up here, uh, we've got some dusting on the ground. But uh, so far, we've we've uh, been able to avert any huge snowfalls. So that's okay. Yeah, wonderful. I love Wisconsin. It's a very beautiful state. Uh, some beautiful shrines, too, by the way. Our Lady of Guadalupe, I'm thinking of you there in La Crosse. That is a fantastic shrine. Uh, but... Uh, Kevin, let's start with the Lego Catechism, and you and your family a few years back put together this incredible resource for for children, but really families, uh, to learn about the sacraments in a new and fun way, but it's also very, very profound, too. Maybe you can share that story with us. Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, fortunately, we had a, a brick Bible floating around in, inside of our home, and uh, we didn't realize that it had blasphemous teachings inside of it. Mm. We thought it was kind of just a benign uh, book. It, it had a format very much like our book now. And uh, after finding out that that book was blasphemous, we got rid of it. Well, we saw the pull that it had towards the kids. And so understanding typology, I thought, you know what? Let's just go ahead and make one. And so I told the kids to go up to their room. I thought we had all the, all the Lego toys in the world and they came down with a little bin. And so we had a lot of work to do. And uh, so what was great about it was it was just, it. I thought this is the perfect way through images mm-hmm. and through salvation, the story of salvation history following Pope Benedict XVI's Theology of Covenant to really teach to the long-term memory of children. And so what we do in there is we take the Old Testament, New Testament, we take the dots that have always been there, and we just put them side by side so that we can help educate families. Uh, you can find a link to this. We've plugged it over at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Look for the live feed of today's uh, Catholic Drive Time show. You'll see I posted it in the com box. But just go to storytell.org, and you can find the book linked up there as well. It's called The Catechism of the Seven Sacraments by Kevin and Mary O'Neill. Uh, you know, Kevin, we too had that same issue with the brick Bible. And, uh, you know, our kids, especially our boys, love Legos. And when we saw this several years back, we bought it for Christmas. And I remember my oldest son actually had gone through it. And he's like, Mom, Dad, there's there's issues with this book. And we're like, what are you talking about? And my wife in particular looked through it. And it was horrifying to see. And I, when I looked at it, too, it was horrifying to see some of these things. We're like, we're exposing our kids to these uh to blasphemy and sort of scandalous um, images, even with Legos. Trust me, it's it's kind of crazy. But we threw it out. We're not even giving this thing away. We threw it in the garbage. Yeah, it's it's a complete attack. It uses manipulatives inside of a child's mind without explanations. And what it does is it can damage their faith. And as parents, we're here to defend it. And so that's what you know we did. We then said, you know what, we're going to take images, but explain it. And so you know we have. Uh, after we show the Eucharist as the covenant, after we show Our Lady as the Ark, we combine the stories even in different ways. So if, if your audience can imagine 
about six different pictures on each page here. After we combine it, we show how sin came into the world the same way that sin leaves the world. And sin came into the world. God walked with man. We see him in a garden, the mm. Garden of Eden, a man and a woman, Adam and Eve at a tree. They take the fruit from the tree. They eat it and sin and death enter in. Well, sin leaves the world the same way. Jesus, who is God, walks with man. We see him in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, a man and a woman, our Lord and our Lady at a tree, the cross. But this time, the fruit is put back on the tree. And that's scriptural. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And we have to eat from the fruit of that tree, which is the Eucharist taken from the tree of life, so that sin and death can leave the world. And so we just take these things. Just because something's profound doesn't mean it's complicated. And we put it there mm -hmm. for children, for families to to learn from. And this kind of thing is so important, particularly with the crisis of catechesis that the church is going through, where so many people are uncatechized. Um, and this this Lego catechism, I know personally know adults who buy it because it's so well done. It just really is fantastic. It's not only for children. Um, so what sort of research went into this and how long did it take you? Well, uh, God kind of set it up for me beforehand. I, I owned a small landscaping company. And so I would just listen to Catholic audio and I would listen to it repeatedly until I had it memorized. And then in the winter, I would go ahead and read books. And, and I was always really drawn to the typology. Mm -hmm. And so when, when the time came, I was able to just put the pen to paper. And then what I did was I wrote the world's longest run-on sentence, and my wife <laughs> turned it into a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was St. Paul's. Every letter oh, St. Paul my ever goodness. wrote is a run-on sentence. <laughs> he never uses punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you have to take more than two breaths in a single sentence, that's St. Paul right there. That's St. Paul. But I, I love the fact, that's one of the things I really loved about the Lego Catechism was the fact that it did teach typology, something that I didn't even, I didn't even hear the word uh, until I was an adult, right? Until I, mm -hmm. I mean, like, you, when you start to study people like Scott Hahn and the rest, then you realize, oh, wow, there's all this deep, rich flavor. As St. Augustine would say, the New Testament was, was hidden in the old, right? It was there all along to sort of, and as I tell my kids when we do our Bible studies, this is like a foreshadowing. It's a clue of things to come. And when you see that, you can see it displayed so masterfully in the Lego Catechism, using things that kids find fun and attractive and interesting, and they're learning things about the Bible and about their faith in ways that most kids are just aren't getting. Have you, has that been your your experience from the books released now a couple years into this? It has been. We're, we're hearing from people all across the country that are using it. We, we see people even using it in our CIA. Uh, we see people using it, especially now with, with COVID. Uh, we, we do have it online as well. And they're sending families home with the book and having families go ahead and read it and re report back. Uh, you know, it's just when you can really see it, salvation history unfold, when you can start teaching, you know, these are simple things, a lot of the stuff, just to understand that Christ was born in Bethlehem, which means house of bread. That's so important to understand these Eucharistic ties, to then see the relationship. I mean, look, where does Mary fit in? No ark, no covenant, no covenant, no ark. The two are so tied together. And when you take a look at, at the, the ark, the old ark, had to be made perfect and pure, a perfect and pure vessel to carry the covenant. Our Lady was made perfect and pure. When you take a look, the old ark was overshadowed. Mary was overshadowed. The old ark, David leapt for joy in its presence. John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. And when in the Old Testament, when the ark left the, the tent of worship, it was covered with a blue veil. Think about that for a second. Mm. That truth explodes right in front of you. And so we as Catholics, we know these things, but sometimes it's like a it's like a puzzle spread across the table. We're just here to kind of put it together so you can see the beauty of our faith. And all of the sacraments have this type of this type of typology inside of them. Every single sacrament. It's it's beautiful. We're talking with Kevin O'Neill about the Lego Catechism. It's uh, published by Storytel. You can find it linked up at storytell.org forward slash catechism. But we've also got a link to it on our live video feed over on facebook.com forward slash GRN online. You can find it there as well. Now, Kevin, uh, uh, we have a break coming up here in a minute, but I know that you've since released a couple of follow-up products as well. Maybe you can touch on those quickly. 
Thank you. Yeah, we, we released a, a little rosary booklet as well as a confession guide. And the confession guide is, uh, I, I'm very proud of it. I think it goes through a great examination of conscience for mm. children. Uh, and we are currently working on our next big book right now. Hopefully we have it out by next Christmas. What's it going to be? Well, it's going to be on the mass. And, uh, and and I'd love to talk about that in a little bit too. But they, uh, there's nobody listening, Kevin. It's just us. Just give me the scoop. Uh, hey, that's well. <laughs> it's it's, I don't. I don't want to hold you up on your break, so you cut me oh. off. I can, <laughs> I, can, I can talk God all day. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, no, we're we're really we're really going to show the masses the new Exodus. We're going to take these How dots well. from the Old Testament and put them right next to each other again. And and uh, even if I just to get into it just a little bit. Look, you know, God didn't say, let my people go. He said, let my people go that they may worship me. Yeah. And what does he do? Amen. He leads them into the wilderness, tells them how to build the tent of worship, tells them how to deploy the priesthood, how to ordain priests, mm-hmm. what kind of incense to use, what kind of candles to use, how to Very build specific, the tabernacle. Very specific, yes. Yeah. And then he, he, he God. Well, now I do have to cut mountain. you off. <laughs> there, there, there's cut the music. Off. Don't go anywhere. We're going to go to break. <laughs> we're going to be back with Kevin O'Neill, and uh, we're going to maybe finish up that. But I want to talk about fatherhood. In light of the year of St. Joseph, uh, we'll have a few minutes left after the break to continue that conversation. Easy for me to say. Stay right here. Catholic Drive Time's coming back in just a minute. The Immaculate Conception is a Catholic dogma that many Protestants have a hard time accepting. They claim it shouldn't be believed because it's not found in the Bible. But I beg to differ. Recall how after the fall in Genesis 3.15, God promised to set enmity between the woman and Satan, between the woman's seed, the Messiah, and Satan's seed. This separation from Satan means the woman's not tainted by sin in any way. Moreover, woman seems to be a title for Eve in her pre-fall state, as is the case in Genesis 2.23. She isn't called Eve until after the fall in Genesis 3.20. So who's this new woman? It's the mother of the Messiah, Mary. So just like the first woman was created without original sin, so too the new woman, Mary, was created without original sin. That's to say, immaculately conceived. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired even when I can't talk. Praise God for that. Joe McClain here hanging out with you for a few more minutes. We're talking with Kevin O'Neill about his uh, Lego Catechism book from Storytell, storytell.org. Check that out. We, we love it. Uh, but you were saying, Kevin, before we went to the break, that you're working on the next project, uh, talking about how the people were called out of Egypt to worship God in a very sp- specific way. Again, having S problems today, apparently. a uh, very specific way. I think that seems to be lost on society today, don't you think? It is. We, we need to get back to our liturgical roots because... God only God knows how to worship Himself, and He, or only God knows how we are to worship Him, and He teaches us that He reveals that to us, and then God brings Himself towards us. I mean, He left the mountain and then dwelled within and above the tabernacle. Hmm. Well, just finish that all that liturgy, and now Christ crucified where on a mountain, and He dwells within our tabernacle. And the tabernacle's always been the meeting place between God and his people, and it's no different today. So that's what we're doing. We're going to show that uh, in light of the Mass as our journey, Mm. part of our pilgrimage, our exodus. You know, as your dad, how many kids do you got, Kevin? 
We have eight children. Eight children. Praise God for that. Uh, we mm-hmm. have we have six and now two grandkids, by the grace of God. Um, as dads and husbands and fathers, I think we can appreciate somewhat of the uh, uh, the design that we see in sacred scripture. You know, and I th- it speaks to me as a man. Does it speak to you? It it absolutely does. There's there's no other way to to say that it's life changing. Life changing. You know, um, when the Pope announced the other day uh, that he was giving us a year of St. Joseph, the, and I, we're going to be talking with uh, uh, Father Calloway about that in just a few days, in fact. It was his private letter that was hand-delivered to the Pope that I think initiated the year of St. Joseph, or at least we'll have Father Calloway explain it to us, on, I think it's on the uh, 21st or the 19th. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is an important year, Kevin. And, you know, your products are really designed to catechize children. I think they affect whole families. And I think that uh, the kids that go through these, these, these products are going to have a sort of a basic biblical understanding that will be far and above the average understanding of most Catholic adults in sacred scripture. As a father, that's important to me. I want my kids to be able to stand on their own two feet and have an understanding. Um, is that what drives you in this project? It is. It you know, I, I sat there even yesterday, and I had a conversation with uh, with my daughter that I shouldn't have for another two to three years. Mm. All, they're they're being infiltrated at such a high uh, rate, and and we have such a meme culture being thrown at us that we don't have the foundational explanations because what is true is something that is. I mean, it's you can't penetrate it. But there's just all this stuff being flung at it, being flung at kids, and it's taking away their gift of faith because it allows doubt without allowing doubt its function. And the function of doubt is that we can find the answer and draw closer to God. Mm. And so that's where important, good catechesis is so important. Uh, that's where I was so excited when, when they announced the year of St. Joseph. It, it caused me to immediately stop and reflect and realize how far away from it being St. Joseph I am (laughs) how much, (laughs) how much he has to offer us in this year as men uh, to really reflect, to be, you know, that the protector, the provider, and the one that follows God and does what God asks. Go ahead, Emily. I know in my, in my own personal family, my father at a certain point in his life realized that he had not been catechized. Um, And so he decided to do something about that. And he began to read and he read, uh, Chesterton and read books and Scott Hahn. Really? And, yeah. And so and th- I think this is the situation that a lot of fathers find themselves in t- in the church today. Um, mm. They don't know the faith as well as they they probably wish they would. So, Kevin, what would you say to fathers who want to pass on the faith to their children, but aren't exactly sure how? Well, I would say we've, we've lost so much. I would say that we have to teach our, our children. Knowledge is its own reward. Mm. And we have to be armed with that. We have to be ready to give the hope that is within us, as, as it says in Peter. And so uh, how do we do that? Well, we do that by engaging, you know, with our children, finding the answers that actually satisfy, because that's what, look, it, that's what happened to me is I, I grew up very uncatechized and there was a crossroad where I thought I was going to, I was going to go wherever God wanted me to go. I always knew there was God and I actually thought it would lead me out of the Catholic church, but it didn't. It allowed me to stay right here. The more I found and, and the truth and the beauty began to reveal itself. And that's where we have to start with children with the truth and beauty. And, and then we can go into the details, the specifics, but good philosophy is important to learn as well to teach your kids how to think because they're really being taught how not to think. All mm-hmm. of these things are just bombarding us. Let me use a, a quick example. You see these stupid bumper stickers that say love is love. <laughs> We're redefining words. That doesn't love is to will the good of the other. Love is a person. Love is a person. First John what chapter that, 4 verse 8, it's God. What that bumper sticker is essentially saying is sex is sex. That is not saying love is love. And we have to take these words back. We have to re-catechize people that have missed, and we have to to begin to water the roots in this new evangelization as well. And that's going to come through children, understanding the faith. Yeah, it's the crisis of relativism. And we've sort of made all things as 
as equals, and now all things are completely acceptable and fine, and and that's part of the tragedy. You think of, uh, for instance, uh, how many people are struggling with uh, same-sex attraction or or other issues of pornography. Just look at pornography addiction in life, and if we normalize those behaviors and those actions, then we're doing a grave injustice to these people, and where is the zeal and love for their souls? Where is the zeal and love for these human beings? Where is the charity? Because we know that these behaviors, these lifestyles are destructive to them. And therefore, when we pretend that something isn't what it actually is, uh, we're, I think we're, you're, we're cooperating with this. And it's, uh, it's not a good situation at all, which is part of the reason why I go back to the Lego Catechism. Not that it's uh, necessarily a perfect resource, but that it's a great one uh, because it gives us such a basic understanding, but it ties the design from, from, from the moment God creates until the moment he comes back to, re- to uh, finally bring us into the beatific vision or otherwise, which God forbid, uh, then we see the design. We see that there is an intent here. And when God has an opinion on things, we should pay attention. Earlier you mentioned about uh, the, you know, God's opinion on worship, right? But God's opinion on the way we live our lives should equally be important to us, no? Absolutely. Uh, and that's why we need the sacraments. Look, we came up with a little math problem in, in our book even, and we say, if sin equals death, then what equals the death of sin? Mm. And so, of course, how we live our lives has to be, uh, we're going to be accountable for that. But what equals the death of sin? And this is so important. Scripture says clearly, baptism removes sin. See, that's why it can't be a symbol. A symbol can't remove sin. A symbol can't have a function. A symbol points towards a function. Yeah. But baptism removes sin. Mm. What else? The Bible says confession removes sin. And people will say, well, where's confession in the Bible? And this is what makes our book so fun is we show it. Look, there are only two times when God breathes on his people. The first Mm -hmm. is when he breathes into Adam's nostril. And what does he breathe into Adam? Life. Yeah. Adam loses it through sin. Christ, who is God after the resurrection, appears to his disciples, and what does he say? Go and forgive. He breathes on them. Go and forgive sin. Whosoever sin you forgive, forgive it, are forgiven and retained are retained. What did the breath put into Adam? Life. What does Christ breathe into us? Life how? Through the remission of sins. Yes. And then you have the Eucharist. This is for you and for many, right, for the forgiveness of sins, mm. that we, our flesh, can only resurrect through the flesh that resurrected on its own accord, and we need to graft into that. We need to be a part of that. And how does this come to us? This all comes to us through, of course, the priesthood, holy orders. Mm-hmm. And and so this is this is the battle. And that's why it's so exciting this year of St. Joseph even. You know, you have St. Joseph who, what did he do? He, he led his family away from the slaughter. Look at the Old Testament, Joseph. He was, his own brothers wanted to kill him and he was led into Egypt. And then look at St. Joseph, because of a slaughter, he had to take his family and lead them into Egypt. And so what did he do? He protected, he provided, and he followed the will of God. And that's what we're all called to do. And we do that through the sacraments. Oh, we've been talking with Kevin O'Neill from the Lego Catechism. We're almost out of time. We have about another minute uh, with which we can chat with you. Uh, uh, Storytell.org is the website for the book. But again, we've linked up to it over on our live video feed at facebook.com forward slash GRN online. Just about a minute left. Kevin, uh, can, can people still get this book in time for Christmas? They can. Uh, and in fact, it's on sale right now as well. Oh, go, wonderful. Go to storytell.org. I believe it's uh, 15 to 20% off. Uh, and so and it's also free shipping as well. And this is a big oh. book. This is almost 300 pages, hardcover, beautiful, glossy page, uh, pictures. And uh, read it with your children. Don't just hand it to them. Read it with them. I promise you, you'll learn something from it. Yes, my kids love the book. Um, we were very blessed. We since we I've known you for a while. I was uh, able to have a galley copy of this in binder form, which we still have, by the way. And uh, so when we got the actual one, boy, the kids just dived in. It was wonderful. But that's it. We're out of time. Kevin O'Neill from the Lego Catechism over at Storytell.org. It's on sale. Highly encourage you to pick it up for your children this Christmas. Make a wonderful gift. And it'll have an impact for the rest of their life. Kevin, thanks for being on with us today. Thank you for having me. 
Praise be to Jesus, Emily. Uh, we survived another show. Great show. I love this one. Yeah, amen. Great guests. Don't forget to check out the podcast version of the show over on grnonline.com. Just look for Catholic Drive Time. And uh, we have the videos on YouTube and Facebook as well as Twitter. We're posting it all over. Search for at grnonline, grnonline, or search for Catholic Drive Time. And that's going to do it for today's show. Got another great program lined up for you. 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, tomorrow morning. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Till then, may God richly bless you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. We hope you've enjoyed the preceding presentation by Father John Ricardo. Father Ricardo is a priest of the Archdiocese of Detroit and the founder of Acts 29, the goal of which is to unleash the power of the gospel and equip ordained and lay leaders to rebuild the church. We're also excited to announce that Father Ricardo will be the speaker for the 13th annual Summer Speaker Series event here in North Texas on August 5th of 2021. Stay tuned to this station for more details in the months to come. Little Angels Catholic Store in Capel offers a range of religious books, gifts, icons, and accessories for the Advent and Christmas seasons and is a proud sponsor of KATH 910 AM. They're located at 600 East Sandy Lake Road in Capel, right down the street from St. Anne Parish. They are open Monday through Friday from 9 AM to 7 PM and on Saturday from 9 AM to 5 PM. For more information, you can reach them by calling 972-304-5200 or visit them online at littleangelscatholicstore.com. The second promise the Guadalupe Radio Network made in 1996 was to carry out the mission of evangelization as called for by baptism. The new evangelization calls for each one of us to deepen our faith, believe in the gospel message, and then go forth to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, the new evangelization consists of three parts, knowing your faith, living your faith, and sharing your faith. That is exactly what the Guadalupe Radio Network, through its programming, is doing. Some of the programs help us learn our faith. Other programs encourage us then to live that faith. And finally, some programs motivate us to then share our faith with others. The GRN programming continually stimulates us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ and to help others do the same. Together, we are one Guadalupe Radio Network family. We are radio for your soul. This is Len Oswald, president of the